Welcome to Sandy Parish Church Podcasts. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on Sandy Parish Church, please visit our website at sandyparishchurch.org. The title for this morning's talk is Give In But Don't Give Up. Give in to God's grace and to receive his help and to acknowledge our need of his help. Don't give up. Some emails I receive are more helpful than others, and the same is probably true for you as well. Some are work-related and some send adverts, but some are really helpful. And I'm grateful to people who send me uh, emails and little links to YouTube videos that are inspiring. One that I particularly subscribe to and can recommend is The Bible in One Year. It's a short meditation and Bible reading for each day, and it can be a real help at the beginning or the end of the day. Last week, one reading picked up the theme of our previous Sunday sermons. It was entitled, His Grace is Enough for You. It comes from Paul's letter to the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. As the people of God, we depend on grace of God. And Mother Teresa wrote, I, I don't think there's anyone who needs God's help and grace as much as I do. Sometimes I feel so helpless and weak. I think that is why God uses me, because I can't depend upon my own strength for the day in the needs that I face. I rely on him 24 hours a day. God's grace is not only amazing, but it is enough. It's sufficient for the day. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, that God will give us the strength for the needs of the day. He knows what we need and actually when we give in to him and ask for his help it's then that we find a strength that we couldn't imagine just as Paul wrote in the letter to the Philippians chapter 4 that when we are grateful for what we have and filled with his grace and gratitude and then we discover that there is a peace that comes from God that goes beyond what you could imagine it's about perspective in the way that we look upon the world, the way that we see the world. I think the police say that eyewitnesses can be notoriously unreliable, can't they? Only seeing certain things, missing out so much detail. And psychologists, they say that children are often great recorders of events, but poor interpreters, which can lead to real problems in adult life. When a child sees something that they witness, say they witness their parents arguing, perhaps about finances, nothing to do with them, but they interpret it as they are the problem, they are the cause of the argument. And that mistaken guilt can cause them to feel unloved, lacking in self-esteem, and all through their teenage years and later in life, that can determine the way in which they live. They see it, but they don't understand it. They don't perceive it for what it really is. On the positive side of things, of course, because we all see things differently, there's huge room for variety. As we say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What is your hobby? And you're fascinated by railway trains and model railways. <laughs> Leave some of us cold. Same with fishing, maybe the same with rugby and sports. There's variety in life. Uh, we experience sometimes, some people say, love at first sight. Uh, or our friends might say to us, I really don't see what you see in him at all. <laughs> and I, I enjoy the fun of films that play with perspectives or games and optical illusions that play with the senses, the challenge and the joy of seeing things from different perspectives. The human eye is amazing. 
uh, as light passes through the cornea, enters the black pupil and then is focused by the lens, the image that hits the sensitive light cells on the back of our retina ends up upside down. And it's only in the brain that the image is turned the right way round up again. And when that cornea becomes cloudy, we call it a cataract, the sight begins to dim. And with age, the lens can become like less flexible or weaken. And we often have to wear glasses to compensate like me and possibly like you. But what can help our perceptions? What can sharpen our understanding of the world that we see? How can we come to see the world as God sees it? I, not wearing rose-tinted spectacles and seeing only the good and ignoring the bad, but seeing the world in all its different colours and shades. Jesus was walking from Jericho to Jerusalem when a blind beggar heard the crowd passing and called out to Jesus, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. The disciples, they, they told him to stop shouting. Couldn't they see that Jesus was busy? Well, duh, no, he couldn't see. He was blind. He was blind to everything except his own need. And the disciples were also blind. They were blind to his need as well. They were busy. They were occupied. They were even preoccupied with the needs of others and not this person here. But Jesus stopped and he asked the man, what is it that you want? Sir, said the man, I want to see. And Jesus restored his sight. Perhaps maybe he gave sight to the disciples that day as well, the ability to see things as Jesus sees them. A friend of mine explained after becoming a Christian, he stopped buying coffee for a beggar in the street. He stopped buying coffee for him because when he finally stopped to talk to him and see him as a person instead of just a, a beggar in the street or a homeless person, to see him as Jesus saw him as an individual, he actually began a conversation in which the uh, person said, I hate coffee. <laughs> I much prefer tea. And by the way, you can stop buying me those cheese sandwiches too, because I'm allergic to cheese. I just give them away. <laughs> uh, last week, I, I recommended a book which helped to change my perspective on the world. It's called What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And uh, I know that some of you have gone out and, and bought the book, and I'm glad for that because it really is such a helpful thing. It's not essentially uh, about what we do. It's, it's about who we are. And, and in the last chapter, uh, Philip Yancey says, what does a grace-filled life look like? It's not essentially about ethics and morals. It's essentially about the way of looking at the world and seeing other people. And he says, once I perceived the grace of God and my life, <clears throat> once I perceived the grace of God and my view of myself changed, then I began to see the church in a different light, people in the community as thirsty for grace. Like alcoholics on the path to recovery, we share a mutually acknowledged weakness. I find that so fascinating a phrase to use, like Alcoholics on the path to recovery, we share a mutually acknowledged weakness. Sometimes like an optical illusion, we're fooled into thinking we can make it through this life on our own, in competition with others. An experience of God's grace corrects that, changes that. Clearly, I remember the night that as a young man, I got down on my knees and prayed, God, I don't know whether you're real or not, but if you are, and please would you come change my life? Equally clearly, 
I remember waking up the next day with a new perspective on life. It was like when Anna and I first got married, you can imagine we uh, had a little nine inch portable black and white TV, if you can imagine such a thing. I used to re really enjoy watching snooker on it. I have to confess that I needed the commentator to help me to understand what was going on because he could see the colours and I could only see them as shades of grey. When I first experienced that sense of God's love and acceptance, his presence, his deep sense of grace and forgiveness, giving hope that I thought was lost, it was as if I'd swapped my nine-inch black and white TV for a 52-inch colour. And seriously, people say that when they see themselves in the light of God's love, it enables them to see others from a different viewpoint. You can read the story in the Bible, in the book of Acts, in chapter 9, Paul is such an angry young man, zealous for the truth as he sees it, breathing out threats upon the early church, Luke writes, arresting people, having them stoned and killed for heresy. And it's on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus to go and arrest more that he is met by a vision of Jesus and struck blind for three days. When his sight returns, his perspective is changed forever and he changes his name from Saul to Paul. It's almost like being born again. In fact, it is very much like being born again for many people. New hope, new perspectives, not only of himself and of the world, but of the people that he meets and the way in which he views life and goes about his life. You might recall how in John chapter 3, Jesus speaks to another very religious man, Nicodemus, and he says to him, it would be like that. In reply to the question, how can I receive eternal life? Jesus said, you must be born again. Like many people across the world, discovering grace in Jesus changes the game of snooker from 50 shades of grey to bright technicolour. Nick Vukicic was born without arms and legs. He believed his life was destined to be lived in shades of grey. Would anybody ever love him? What could life possibly offer him? But his parents loved him. And he found faith and grace in Jesus and he encourages us to discover with him and with St. Paul the experience of God's grace is sufficient, that he can bring strength to help in our weaknesses when we don't give up, but rather we give in to him and to his grace. We can find hope and strength for the day. At age eight I thought that I should commit suicide. Why? I didn't have hope. So I tried to give up. At age 10, I tried to drown myself in six inches or 15 centimeters of water. In my home, I told my dad I just wanted to relax. But really, I wanted to end my life. I had enough. But it was so hard because people put me down. And I started believing that I was not good enough. I started believing that I was a failure. That I'd never ever be somebody who people would like or people would accept.
I couldn't change my circumstance. I couldn't just one day wake up and say, hey, give me arms and legs. I need arms and legs. And I had questions and no answers. And I asked my mom and dad, why did this happen? I asked doctors, why did this happen? And they, they don't know. There are some things in life that are out of your control that you can't change and you've got to live with. The choice that we have, though, is either to give up or keep on going. So what do you do when you fall down? Get back up. Everybody knows to get back up because if I start walking, I'm not going to get anywhere. But I tell you, there are some times in life where you fall down. You feel like you don't have the strength to get back up. I'm down here, face down, and I have no arms, no legs. It should be impossible for me to get back up, but it's not. You see, I will try 100 times to get up, and if I fail 100 times, if I fail and I give up, do you think that I'm ever going to get up? No. But if I fail, I try again and again and again. For as long as I try, there's always that chance of getting up. Does that make sense? And it's not the end until you've given up. There's still hope. I'm not here today to tell you that I understand your pain. I don't know how it feels to be abused. I don't know how it feels to feel, quote, fat and you've got an eating disorder. I don't know how it feels to have a broken home. I don't know how it feels. I don't know how it feels to have a broken heart. And I don't know how it feels to be alone. But I just want you to know that it's not the end. It matters how you're going to finish. Are you going to finish strong? find that strength to get back up.